Hello, Marvelites! You are listening to Marvel's Pull List for new comics on sale December 2nd, 2020. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Tucker Marcus. Oh, Tucker, 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 Tucker. We have a lot of great stuff for this week. Before we get into the comics, we often talk about the movies we watched and things that we've done. This past weekend, I watched Upgrade and then followed it up the next night with The Invisible Man, mm. a, uh, a double feature by the same writer-director, Lee Wan, Wan Hell. Great stuff. Really dug it. Have you seen Upgrade? No, I haven't. Do Recommend? Definitely recommend. Really, really cool. Like... This is someone I, I'm like, all right, I'm going to be watching to see what they do from now on. Have you watched awesome. anything cool lately? I watched a pretty amazing movie that I'd never seen before, a Claire Denis um, movie from 1999 called Beau Travail, which is mind-blowing. It's so good. Um, that's my esoteric pick of the week in terms of flicks. Yeah, I've actually been getting into some double features lately as well. Love it. It's becoming like a... A new pandemic pastime of order some takeout, do a double feature on a Saturday night. That's good stuff. It is. Oh, have you caught up on The Mandalorian? No. Saving it. All right. Gonna have to. <laughs> every week I'm gonna ask you. Every week I'm gonna ask you. All right. Um, okay. Fine. Fine, 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 fine. We're not gonna talk about all of that because this is the Marvel podcast where we talk about Marvel Comics. We're going to talk about a bunch of the new comics that have come out this week, as well as do a reading club. And the reading club this week is really, really cool. It's actually part one of two. This week, we have on Donnie Cates and Ryan Stegman to talk about the first issue of Venom from 2018, which, if you've never read it, it is now currently free for a little while on Marvel Unlimited. You can read the first five issues of Venom for free right now. And then... Next week, we're going to bring them back and we are going to talk about King in Black number one. We're doing creator commentaries for both issues. So King in Black number one is coming out this week. We do suggest you read these issues before you hear those reading clubs because we get full on spoilery in all of these conversations. But that's a little bit later. First things first, we do have to talk about brand new comics this week, and we're going to start things off with our picks of the week. I'm going to go first, and my first pick of the week is Black Widow number four, written by Kelly Thompson. Art in the present day sections by Elena Casagrande. Art in the flashbacks by Carlos Gomez. Colors by Jordi Belair and Federico Blee in the respective time periods. And the letters by VCs Corey Pettit. I would say this gets my pulley for all-time best Black Widow comic book series, which I thought about this one as I said it, and as I wrote it down in my notes, like we've had Greg Rucka, we've had some, you know, amazing, the Soska sisters did a great run that I loved. Mm -hmm. I And this isn't even, this is four issues, four issues. into it. <laughs> and I will say that this is the best Black Widow comics I have ever read. My favorites. Yeah. It is yeah. so friggin' good. My pulley for panel of the week that brought a tear to my eye all I will say is, Mama, <laughs> this destroyed me. Mm -hmm. It's so good. It's so beautifully choreographed in its action. It is so wonderfully choreographed in its drama. You know, you've got um, amazing support characters in here, like Bucky and uh, Hawkeye and another widow. And it's like, like all these things. And it's, it, it goes by so fast. It feels like you're getting hit by a train, but you're also holding on because you got to know what comes next. Holy cannoli, this is a great comic book. Yeah, it's really unbelievable. It's been so fun to see Kelly talk on social media about I, I remember when she she was talking about having just written this and then getting the first pages back and then getting colors back and things like that and, and talking about how emotional an experience this was for her to put out, for her to create. So to finally experiencing it is just unbelievable. I'm, I'm so right pissed off at you. her too. I know. I know. Like for writing the series. And I love I love her dearly. And I, I have to tell her I'm so angry with her. Yeah, I am right there with you. I think a lot of our um, – a few of our favorites lined up this week. And one of those favorites comes in the form of a quarter century of Daredevil comics. Uh, this is Daredevil number 25, one of my picks of the week. It's written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Marco Cacchetto, colors by Marcio Meniz, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles, in a series that really feels chock full of huge issues of big threshold moments for Matt Murdock, 
for not just existing characters that we know from the Daredevil corner of the universe, but for new characters that Chip and company have introduced. This issue in particular, though, right from page one, we zoom in on Matt's relationship with Elektra. And it really becomes an Electra issue. It is one that teeters very quickly in spoiler territory. But I will say the way that Chip writes Electra is really something special. It's one of those things where for some reason you just feel like there's a kinship. There's something that the either writer or artist or whoever it might be is tapping into with the character in a way that I feel like is very special. I think it's something that Chip is especially good at because when I say that, I think of the way that Chip wrote Captain America in Invaders, I thought was really, really special and great. The way that Chip wrote Marvel 2-in-1 with both Ben Grimm and Johnny Storm, I thought was very great. So I think Chip is just a master at tapping into these characters, their psyches, their histories, and really taking the cumulative past of what we know about a character, a character like Electra that has so much drama, so much history to her, and just synthesizing it down and saying, who is this person? What does that mean they'll be like in conversation? What's going to make them skittish? What's going to make them comfortable? Um, and just really just in such a natural way, letting that flow. Now we follow Electra throughout this issue and jumps between timelines a little bit in terms of her relationship with Daredevil in the past and where we're going now into the future with this character. What is most striking of all, and it's another thing that I actually saw on Twitter a little bit people talking about, is the way that Marco Coquetto draws Electra's hair. It is, in and of itself, one of the best things this week. It's so so good. And it's one of those things that I think is instantly iconic. It's going to be one of those things that I think this run is so good. And I think in years to come, when we look back on Chip and Marco's run with Daredevil, this is going to be instantly one of those images that comes to mind in the same way that we associate various artists with various characters and the way that they interpreted them. This feels like the start of something very special. Where this issue goes narratively is so wildly exciting. It's just all here. To see the way that this book keeps undulating and keeps throwing a left hook when you're expecting something from the right is just unbelievable. And uh, I couldn't be a bigger fan of everything that we see. It's so, so, so good. Yeah. I'm excited too, because we are going to have Chip Zdarsky on the show uh, in a while. One of the things I want to talk to him about is seeing uh, how he feels about sexy panels, like the, uh, the panel in this issue, we got Electra and Matt (laughs) by the fire and you see Matt in his little underwears. (laughs) Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, Speaking of things we love, one of our picks this week is King in Black. Number one, it is a big boy. It is written by Donnie Cates, penciled by Ryan Stegman, inks by J.P. Meyer, colors by Frank Martin, and lettered by VCs Clayton Cowles. This is the big Marvel event of the season. This is going to close out 2020 and bring us into 2021. It's a giant story. It is two and a half years in the making. We're not going to get too deep into it this episode because, as I mentioned earlier, next episode we are doing a creator commentary on King of Black, number one, where we're getting full into spoilers. Spoilers. But man, I give this pulleys for most WTF moments in a book mm-hmm. this week because there are numerous moments like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and then I would give a pulley to to Mr. Stegman for best hand drawn lettering special effects, mm. which is a thing that I know he really loves doing and um, has been doing it for a while uh, in in his books. And he uses it to great effect in this issue. This is a giant story of Venom and the heroes of the Marvel Universe going up against Null, the god of the symbiotes from space, who has brought just nightmare with him. It is terrific. It is wonderful, wonderful stuff. It is a huge title. It is like 60 some odd pages long. So strap in, get ready for King and Black. It's here. Oh, yeah. This is one that, you know, a lot of talk uh, online has been about like how readers, you are not ready for what's coming in this book. Sometimes that phrase gets tossed around, but even as someone who had uh, some insights on what was coming, just the scale of it, you are not prepared for it. Ryan Segman has been working on this series for a year, just Mm -hmm. on this series. Mm -hmm. That says uh, enough. It, It is really unbelievable stuff. 
Okay, my next pick of the week this week is a digital exclusive called Peach Momoko, the variant covers. Peach Momoko, obviously one of Marvel's Stormbreakers. That is for those who might not know, that's a collection of artists that every single year Marvel highlights. FKA, formerly known as the Young Guns. Um, there's a long, long storied history of these kind of classes of artists that every single year Marvel likes to pick out and say, hey, these are the, the next all-stars. These are the ones you really need to keep an eye out for. And Peach is absolutely such a worthy member of the class of Stormbreakers this year. Uh, and that is a great, great class. And this is a collection of Peach's variant covers that we've seen on a bunch of different titles. There's just something so so tonally specific, really irreplicable uh, about Peach's art style that I just adore. There's something a little bit pastel, a little bit watercolor about it that I think is so beautiful. Peach is one of those artists whose silhouette is instantly recognizable. If you see the profile of a face that Peach draws, you know that that's a Peach Momoko creation. I really, really love it. There's, you know, this is kind of one of those things where I just want all of these in poster form, whether it's Ghost Spider or whether it's the characters from Marvel Rising or Arrow, whoever it might be, there's some great stuff in here. And it's a book, a digital exclusive that I really wanted to highlight. Just excellent, excellent work. Yeah. All right. Our last pick of the week goes to the most important comic of this <laughs> and maybe any generation. It is... <laughs> Modoc Head Games number one. It's written by Jordan Bloom and Patton Oswalt. It is art by Scott Hepburn. Colors by Carlos Lopez. Letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Look, you know me. You know my favorite Marvel character is Modoc, the mental organism designed only for killing. I think there's no perfect pair of people to tell this story than Jordan and Patton because they are the main creators behind the upcoming Hulu animated series, uh, the Modoc show, which is going to be coming up in 2021, which is funny and weird and cool. And that's what this book is. It's funny. It's weird. It's cool. It's sad. It's creepy. It is jam packed with action and big moments. This gets pulley for the apex of the art form that is comic books. It is everything that you want a comic book to be. It is huge and it, it's it's masterful. It's got some of the biggest mysteries of the week. And I don't say that just because I am a shill for anything Modoc. <laughs> it has some like things that when I, I, I got sent this early, uh, I'm friends with Jordan and I was doing some stuff for this and I, I've been trying to keep a little bit out of like what the story was going to be. I wanted to be surprised. But then when I saw it, I was like, wait, what the hell are they doing in this book? <laughs> it's wild. It's got some of the best fight scenes in comics because Scott Hepburn is a friggin' genius storyteller. Um, he's done some really great stuff for us over the years. Uh, his stuff on Spider-Man Deadpool was really, really good. He's done the great Drax series, which I really, really love by uh, CM Punk and Colin Bunn. Terrific, terrific storyteller. Seriously, every other comic should get out of the way. I don't care if you you've only got money for king and black you should spend it on head games as well as king and black uh, modok head games is the book everybody should read i think it will help everybody understand why this character is beloved yeah. by people like me yeah i definitely agree with that it's one of those things where you look at it you're like oh a great creative team can do anything they can make you understand any character it's really really awesome stuff like this book it doesn't brush aside anything about Modoc, which I think is really cool. Like Modoc's got this weird history of sort of being malleable and different and changing a lot. And it's all there. It's all on the page. Man, it's it's really good. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was so, so, so loving that issue as well. Okay, now we're jumping into our pulley issues. We're going to give some superlative picks for these books as we jump through them. The first one is Atlantis Attacks number five. This one for me is kind of a welcome back of the week. This is a limited series that has been going on for a while. It was one that I was really sorely missing. It's a creative team I love, um, and it's a bunch of characters that I really, really adore. And the way that this becomes a King in Black tie-in is so exciting. And that's aside from the fact that the narrative that we have going on here, Amadeus Cho, Silk, 
um, Namor, a bunch of great characters in here, is on its own really, really excellent. It was just really, really nice to see this book again and to see these characters again. Yeah. Uh, we've got Champions number three, which gets my pulley for favorite last second save of the week. I will not say how or why, but the way that Eve viewing the writer ties this book and its current iteration into previous Champions stories and previous Champions members. Man, I got so hyped for that ending. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, really, really good. Um, uh, okay, next up we have uh, Civil War Marvel's Snapshots, number one. Uh, and this one, I don't know, maybe Mustache of the Week. There's a <laughs> damn good mustache in here that I really, really loved. Uh, Ryan Kelly, the artist, I think nails it. Uh, this is a book that I was not expecting. These Marvel Snapshot stories have been really fun. And before this issue, I think they've mostly been kind of character zoom-ins where you go into a, a moment in character's history um, and look at it through the kind of Marvel's lens, which is a little bit more intimate, a little bit more ground level of these kind of things. But to zoom into it in, a, in this Civil War capacity was really fun. Uh, and to do it with Saladin Ahmed is, of course, it's going to be the best. Heck yeah. In Fantastic Four Road Trip number one, I would give my pulley for gnarliest body horror book of the week. We don't have Immortal Hulk, but this one nails it. Then I looked at the creative team. It's like Christopher Cantwell, all the stuff that he's doing in Doom and his other stuff. Of course, that makes sense. And Philippe Andrade. Wow. It's just it's gross as hell, especially when you start getting into the family parts of it. Oh, it's really good, though. <laughs> My uh, next one is uh, Hellions number seven. This is my love to hate of the week. And I'm not talking about the book because I adore this book. I adore this creative team in this series. I'm talking about Mr. Sinister, who has just continued to be more dastardly and like just so deliciously the worst as this series has progressed, where he has his own stuff going on. There's kind of an entire subplot to not just this series, but to everything in the world of the X-Men right now that's just revolving around Mr. Sinister. And the way that he does things, maybe fails, maybe takes advantage of the facts that he fails and like uses that in a new way. And you're like, oh, was that his plan all along? He is just the biggest jerk in the world. And I love it. There's also some lines in here that made me laugh out loud that are just so Zeb Wells, the writer, so perfect. It's really, really great. I, I am just all in on Mr. Sinister right now. I love it. Yeah. All right. We've got Miles Morales, Spider-Man number 21. Uh, if you are a Miles Morales fan, this is a huge one. It's got the it's probably the pulley for biggest win, biggest loss of the week. Not necessarily for the Marvel Universe, but for our characters. And it's really impactful, really emotional. Uh, it's got another big panel that choked me up. I really shouldn't say anything about it because it's it'll be a big spoiler, but get ready for this one. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have Savage Avengers number 15. There's a bunch of stuff that goes on in here, which was like one, I was kind of very struck by the boldness of these things, but I will say maybe monster of the week. There is some really, really cool, great character design in here that I loved. Maybe uh, Honey Trap of the week uh, as well. Some like classic spy kind of stuff going on in here. This book continues to find more ways to be itself in a kind of way where if I read this without any dialogue, without knowing what title it was, without maybe even knowing the characters, I would be like, oh, that's Savage Avengers. I could just tell. The way they tow the line with what they're allowed to do, with the way they tell the story is you really You think they really towed great. a line? I thought they, they like saw the line, unzipped, did yeah. some business on it, was just like, ha, 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 laughed and went for a drink. That line yeah. was gone. It's great. It's crazy what they get away with. It's great. It's wild. Yeah. Uh, we've got another King and Black tie-in in the Union number one, which for me probably gets my pulley for second most surprising death of the week. It's wild. Like it actually caused a visceral reaction for me when I was reading where I like gasped and put my hand to my mouth. And my wife was like, are you OK? I was like, I'm reading a comic book. I'm fine. But wow, I was not expecting it. Also, pulley uh, just for snakes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next up, we have Thor number 10. This one, I don't know how much we've talked about on the show yet, but Donald Blake, we can officially talk about it now. Big time baddie in this story, and it is so much fun. That definitely becomes my pulley of the week, which is like emergent villain, unexpected villain of the week, as Donna Cates and Nick Klein, uh, the creative team of this book, continue to ratchet up the story involving the former 
Thor, Donald Blake, the way that they've kind of embraced Thor history, obviously they're such huge fans, and the way that they've turned this character in particular on his head is so fun and it's so great. And just as always, I think Nick Klein's art is so striking and so unique and uh, really, really unmistakable. It's beautiful and great. Yeah. Our last new book for this week is X Factor number five. It is also a Ten of Swords sort of um, not it's not a tie in at all, but it's like feeling the repercussions of the big X-Men storyline. It's got the pulley for Adam X appearance of the week. Adam X is a lot at some point. We can explain it, but I ain't doing that here. But just seeing him here, I was like, oh, Leah Williams. I see you. I see what you're doing. Uh, It's also got my pulley for most jam-packed team book of the week because there's so much happening, so many characters, so many plots and little things going on. This book rules so hard. Yeah, I love it. A bunch of great collections this week, both in print and digital. One print collection in particular I want to highlight is New Mutants by Ed Brisson, Volume 1, a collection of the beginning of the Dawn of X title there that I think just instantaneously captures that new mutant spirit. The Rod Reese art on it in particular is beautiful and uh, it's a great spacefaring angle on Don of X. It's really, really cool. Yeah. And then of course, Marvel Unlimited this week, a bunch of great issues in there. One I want to point out is Daredevil Annual Number 1, which definitely factors into the Daredevil story that's going on right now. It's a really great issue. I don't want to give anything away if you missed it. It's awesome. Definitely one you have to check out because really you got to be reading Daredevil. It's one of our favorites consistently Mm -hmm. week in, week out. So those are all this week's books. But before we get into our interview, I wanted to remind y'all about the Marvel made Paragon Collection Chris Claremont Premier Bundle. This is a big boy, 448 pages of comic book goodness. It is uh, this amazing product. It's hardcover and it's got tons and tons of amazing classic X-Men tales by the one and only Chris Claremont. You remember we talked to him a couple weeks ago here on the show about this. Um, it's It's got tons of stuff like, you know, Chris's first X-Men story or Dark Phoenix Saga and Days of Future Past. And it also includes the brand new 20-page Days of Future Past story with art by Salvador La Roca. It is a, uh, it's an in continuity prequel to that original story so you get the original you get the prequel it's all beautiful and wonderful there's tons more in there uh, and you got to remember you can only get this by going to marvelmade.net by this friday december 4th at 11:59 p.m pre-orders will close at that point that's the only way you can order it you got to get it if you want your hands on this And as this has been going on, we've been getting all these pre-orders and the support for this collection has been just incredible. So we added a couple of last minute additions to this entire collection. You've got amazing lithos by legendary artists Art Adams and Marcos Martin, along with an exclusive Jonathan Tyler Christopher action figure variant of X-Men number 13. Those have been included. Um, They are all part of this exclusive Marvel made Chris Claremont Paragon collection. And that's the only place to get it is at marvelmade.net by this Friday. So hopefully you get your hands on one if you want it. Otherwise, you're kind of SOL, y'all. Don't be left out. You also don't want to be left out about our conversation about Venom. We've got Donnie Cates and Ryan Stegman doing a uh, creator commentary of Venom issue number one from 2018, as well as a little background about their collaborations from Venom through Absolute Carnage and now into King and Black. And then next week, we're going to do part two about King and Black number one. For now, let's talk about Venom. Oh boy, Tucker, it's going to be a party right now because we are joined by Diggity Donny Cates and Rugged Ryan Stegman. Gentlemen, how are you? Good. I'm great. How are you? <laughs> Good. High energy. I'm high energy. Always are, Ryan. I'm I'm stoked. I'm very excited. I feel like it's been a very long time since we've all gotten together. Yeah, it has been. Yeah, Donny, it's exciting. It's good times. Yeah, man. For me, it feels like it's been it's too soon since the last time I was on. <laughs> yeah, we definitely saw you not long ago, and you probably talk to Donnie every week, Ryan. I'm sure. Yes. Or yeah. every day. No, no, I'm 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 very sick of Ryan. It's, yeah. It's you. It's you and Tucker that I'm excited to see. Yeah. Uh, and we're here on a big occasion. We're here in the direct aftermath of King and Black number one, but uh, here today we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff, including obviously King and Black, 
all the way going back to uh, Venom number one, the issue that kind of kicked it all off. So, uh, yeah, thank you guys again for, for joining us. Absolutely. I assume you've read King in Black number one. Boy, mm-hmm. oh boy, did I. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's brutal. That's a mean <laughs> That's a mean one. Yeah, yeah. We're going to get into that. You know, when we were talking about having you, you two on for our reading club, you know, there's a bunch of ways this could have gone. And I thought, why don't we get y'all to do sort of a creator commentary of Venom number one and King and Black number one, because I think that's a really cool way to explore these books. Um, And I want to say this for all of our listeners, be they our uh, traditional podcast listeners or those of you joining us here on SiriusXM, please read these books before we get into it. We are going to spoil these because um, (laughs) that's just the nature of things. Um, So we definitely want you reading Venom number one. You can read that. Go to your local comic shop. You can read it on Marvel Unlimited or get your hands on King and Black number one. It's it's brand spanking new and it's freaking great. Well, thank you very much for saying that. Yeah. I'll kick things off uh, before we even get into the Venom number one creator commentary thing. Um, looking back, when, when you get into these stories, where is Eddie Brock as we get into Venom number one? And where is he as we get into King and Black number one? Well, um, yeah, when Venom number one starts, uh, a nebulous period of time is kind of taking place between um, uh, at the at the end of Koss's run and the beginning of Ryan and I's run. And um, where we begin with Eddie uh, and Venom number one is uh, things are not going great. Uh, uh, he's kind of losing his mind. He's uh, hearing voices. He's 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 um, he's having these uh, insane nightmares that he realizes at the beginning of our issue of our of our first issue are actually not his nightmares. He's he's actually seeing memories uh, from his symbiote. Um, and his symbiote is 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 has started speaking in this weird language that he can't understand. And uh, basically, Eddie is uh, trying his hardest to kind of not be Venom because being Venom, uh, being bonded and letting the symbiote take control to him um, has kind of got his uh, proverbial spider sense going uh, that something is very very wrong. In the events of that issue, we we see absolutely what's wrong, and that's that a a an extension of the symbiote god Null has kind of reawoken um, here on Earth, and it's uh, it's kind of infecting um, uh, Eddie's symbiote and causing it to kind of freak out and uh, lose its mind a little bit by being exposed to this, uh, like being in such close contact with this god. Um, flash forward, and you get where we where we are at in uh, King and Black number one, which is a, a, a really uh, a kind of an opposite um, version of Eddie since then. Here we have an Eddie who is incredibly secure with his symbiote. His symbiote and, and himself have their bond is even deeper and, and better because of everything that they've gone through, through absolute carnage and venom beyond and um, the, the abyss and all the different story arcs that we've, that we've gone through. Um, but not only that, there's two pieces of Eddie's life that are really new uh, and really great that kind of make him stronger. Um, the first of which is that he is very ingrained in the larger Marvel pantheon of heroes. Um, he's very much accepted as a hero these days, um, uh, very much uh, embraced by the likes of Captain America and Iron Man uh, due to the events of Absolute Carnage and how he, quote unquote, saved the world there. The other part that um, is very new for Eddie and has grounded him in a way that we haven't seen in a long time is that Eddie is now a father. Um, and Eddie is um, um, doing his his best uh, to uh, be a single parent and raise his son, whose name is Dylan. Um, and Dylan Brock has some odd things about him himself. Uh, he's kind of a half-symbiote, half-human hybrid um, anti-god kind of a weirdo Damien uh, the Omen type kid. Uh, sweet little kid, though. Um, but yeah, here we have Eddie uh, prepared for the fight of his life as we go through going to King and Black. And, and while the rest of the world might be fighting for the world itself, Eddie and Venom, uh, uh, him, uh, you know, uh, has his own thing that he's fighting for, and that is the life and future of his son. Uh, Ryan, do you agree? Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, I, I, it, going back even further than that, so Venom Number One came out in uh, I think May 2018. Uh, it was 
hugely highly anticipated release and delivered beyond expectations over the succeeding two and a half years uh, leading to King and Black. What do you guys remember the first conversations you had about Venom, about that, about that book, about this series? Yeah, I mean, I do. It was, we were both unsure about, I mean, Donnie had written the first script. I was unsure what I was going to do with my career and life at that point. You know, like I didn't know if I, I I thought maybe I was going to do something creator owned. I just was kind of like waffling and I'd been offered a few things and then they offered me this. And this was the first one that I was like, you know, that sounds pretty cool. And obviously I'd met Donnie before, but I didn't know him super well. And, uh, I actually remember um, Darren Shan, the editor, told me, he said, oh yeah, Donnie's got a million ideas. And that always intrigued me because I just like big ideas in comics. And so Devin had offered me this and I was kind of waffling. And then he said, let me get you on the phone with Donnie. And then we got on the phone and it was like, you know, we knew we were going to be doing this thing. And he mentioned dragons and, and swords and all that stuff. And we were both just like, yeah, we're doing this thing. Yeah, like like Ryan said, like you know, Ryan and I had run in similar circles uh, of you know friends and stuff in comics, and obviously you know had um, you know met a handful of times um, at shows and stuff like that. But we weren't, you know, I, it's not he wasn't someone at the time that I would call like a buddy or anything like that, you know. Um, and so when when uh, obviously I was, I was I was aware of his work, and then when Dev um, Dev and Nick Lowe both suggested Ryan uh, for the title. Um, yeah, Dev said the same thing. I was just like, why don't you just get on the phone with him and see how you, how you guys kind of vibe. And, um, it was meant to just be like a 20 minute phone call. We ended up talking for like four hours and I, I, I walked Ryan through the entire run, um, all the way, like, like literally, I mean, I walked Ryan through the first arc, the second arc, absolute carnage, you know, Venom Beyond going into King and Black and then every, everything that comes after it. Um, and, and, and yeah, and it was great. Cause like I, I, we, we, we clicked right away. Cause Ryan was just like already like throwing in ideas of like, he was like, what, so, so what does null look like? And I was like, I don't really know yet, man. I, I, I really kind of don't have any ideas. And he started just like throwing ideas out there about like what it could look like and all this stuff. And it's like, we were already working on the book, yeah. you know, before Ryan had ever like, like I put pencil to paper. And I, I remember I called Dev back and I was like, yeah, that's the guy. That's the guy. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah. For, for sure. That's the guy, you know, thinking about that, you know, that journey now, yeah, two and a half years for each of you, how different are you are your lives in these two and a half years? Like what what whether it's creatively or or you know emotionally or like where you are in your your world? Um, how have things changed for you from doing the first issue of Venom to now we're into King and in Black? When we started Venom number one, uh, I didn't even know what a pandemic was. <laughs> well, there's that. Yeah, yeah, there's that. Yeah, we were really, we were both really safe and went out <laughs> outside a lot. Yeah. Um, um, there's that. I would say, um, um, I don't know. Like we're both like really rich now. <laughs> like that's that. Like that part is that part is super cool. Um, no, no, no. no. <laughs> I think um, I don't know. I well, you like, got married um, in this in this span of time, Donnie. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I got married. Um, and, um, knock on wood by the time this whole thing's over, I might have a little baby. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, it, it's been, it's been a wild few years for sure. Um, you know, I've like moved houses, uh, you know, um, uh, Venom, Venom has really afforded me and like Brian had been in the industry for a lot longer, uh, than me, um, uh, when we started, I mean, I mean, you know, still is right. But, um, you know, I had never, um, like this, I mean, like Venom. Okay. Okay. So like Ryan and I will find ourselves in like foreign countries at cons back when those were still a thing. And like Ryan and I would be walking around in, you know, wherever Paris or wherever the hell. And we would just look out and go like Venom, Venom did this. Yeah. Like how, <laughs> how utterly bizarre that like we have this amazing life because of Venom. Like how cool is that? You know? And like, there's like such special moments that I, I have, I, 
I got a text when I was I was in L.A. briefly. I got a text from Todd McFarlane, and he said, "Hey, I saw that you're that you're in L.A. right 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 now." And I was like, "Yeah, I am." And he was like, "Well, hey, um, Sony's doing a premiere for the Blu-ray of Venom um, um, down here on this like city square, uh, and I'm signing books. You want to come join me?" And I was like, "Yeah, yes, I do." And so I like just rolled down there, and it was like me and Todd McFarlane signing books for like a thousand like Venom kids. It was it, I was just like it's like moments like that that I look up and I'm just like, man, what a bizarre life because like. And that I, I I get to do all this stuff that I get to do these days because, like, because I get to also make a rad comic book with one of my best friends on the planet, Ryan. You know, it's it's and honestly, not to get too sappy, I think one of the coolest things that has come out of these these past few few years is um, my friendship with Ryan. Um, and I he's a he's a he's a guy that I I I consider family. Like and. Um, and uh, you know it's a genuine, genuine pleasure to uh, uh, to call him my best friend uh, after all these years. Yeah, I mean Donnie's seen my kids punch each other in the face. He's seen how poorly yeah. behaved they are. He knows yeah. everything. <laughs> Our wives are best friends. Yeah. Like it's 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 great. Uh, Ryan, what, what has uh, can you clock uh, life up there in 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 Michigan in a in a similar way since uh, Venom number one? Um, well, like, so my kids are basically, my kids are just a little bit older. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Like I, I did, I did all my, you know, getting married and having kids early on. And now I'm just, you know, I mean, my life does feel different, but again, like with the, you know, stuff going on in the world, we don't get to go out as much, but for a while there, it was pretty wild. Like the amount of conventions that we got to go to and the things that we got to do and that I, you know, never really new existed in comics um it was it, you know it's great and I, we're looking forward to getting back out there but i uh i i'm i'm a creature of habit so i enjoy my normal routines and I, basically all i really want to do in life is wake up in the morning and draw pictures and you know hang out with my family and go back to bed and that's kind of you know what i do so living the dream it's great good yeah. for you i want to stress one more time to all of our listeners Read the dang comics before you, you keep on with this episode because uh, we're going to get into some stuff. So Venom number one, again, May 9th, 2018, when that came out. And uh, of course, it's the two of you. Inks by J.P. Meyer, uh, colors by Frank Martin, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles, uh, which is really you know, like that's a dynamite team i know you know you guys mm -hmm. we love you and, and everything but um jp has been so great we've talked about jp uh with you ryan previously and um on this show he's great and frank's colors and uh it, it all comes together i especially love the coloring on these first two pages the flashback here mm -hmm. um like we open with this flashback and 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 you know gnarly medieval looking dudes ancient norse uh guys and um big boom 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 is that always the the like was that like you're always your first moment for this series donnie no actually um i had um uh, first issues of books are always the hardest things for me to write um because obviously you got to show up and 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 set your tone immediately and kind of set your premise up and everything. And so I had a lot of different ideas of, of how I wanted to start, um, that issue. Uh, and actually one day I was talking to Jason Aaron, um, who is, this is how a lot of my, how did that cool idea come up stories begin, um, is I was talking to Jason and I was kind of, I was, I was definitely in, like in the weeds as far as like how the first arc of Venom was going to go. And I was trying to outline it and all that stuff. And then um, I started talking to Jason because obviously, you know, Null's origin definitely ties into uh, Jason's Thor run um, with the creation of All Black and, and all that. And I just casually mentioned to Jason, I was like, yeah, and then I'm going to redo the story of, um, of Beowulf. Um, but Beowulf is Thor and the and 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 the. Grendel is a, a symbiote dragon, so I'm gonna reshow that. And he was like, "Dude, wait, hold on, what? That's how you start your book." Right. And I was like, "Wait, in the first issue, really?" And he was like, "Dude, if you open a Venom issue with a retelling of Beowulf, 
Like people are going to lose their minds. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's a cool idea. And so I kind of started working backwards from there. And that's how I came up with the idea of like, oh, what if Eddie is like dreaming the symbiote's dreams and like can't can't tell what 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 nightmares are his and what nightmares are 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 the symbiotes and everything. And so it started started kind of kind of uh, putting the puzzle pieces back together. But yeah, you know, as soon as Jason said that, I was like, yeah, 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 that that's a that's a wild opening, you know, because as far as like in, you know, as you guys know, like in Marvel lore, you know, uh, prior to Ryan and I's run, um, the first appearance on Earth of a symbiote was always was always meant was was always thought to be when Peter brought it. Right. When like Peter brought it from Secret Wars and everything. And so going back and being like, no, actually, like ancient alien style, like, no, there was this whole this is a whole thing before that, which actually I think there's a gag in Absolute Carnage where um, I'm almost certain of this, where Peter Parker is saying that he has to take this fight and he has to do this because he's responsible for all of this. That like he, he he's like giving this impassioned speech where he's like, Eddie. I'm the reason symbiotes are on this earth, man. Like, I have to go out here and do this because of responsibility and, and you know, like power and responsibility and all that stuff. And the symbiote in Eddie's head, who Tony, who Peter can't hear, goes, hey, do you want to tell him that it, it actually wasn't him, that, like, our race was here a long time before? And Eddie just goes, no, just just let, 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 let him have this. Just, <laughs> he he needs this. <laughs> I also think it's fun that we we I mean we knew what was coming up and so it felt appropriate to us to open the issue with just like the biggest sound effect of just boom yeah ever like here yeah, it yeah. comes Ryan is that a similar thing that you've encountered I think I mean especially with a book like this which has so much story to tell over the course of so many issues when you're looking at words on a page, obviously you've had conversations with someone like Devin Lewis, who's the editor or with Donnie, a bunch of different things like that. But like when you're looking at those words on a page, is it easy for you to digest that and just let it flow through your hand of this is the kind of visual tone. This is what my Eddie Brock is going to look like. This is what my venom is going to look like. Or is that something that takes a really long time to fine tune? It's, it depends because like some projects you find it right away and some you you struggle with a little bit. Like I'm not going to name any projects that I feel like I didn't connect with, but there definitely have been. But this one from day one, I was I was in it. I knew exactly how I wanted it to look. I knew it, you know, and then, you know, obviously we, the addition of JP as the inker kind of helped me to, to realize my vision more. But um, definitely I feel like I saw this whole thing in my head. I mean, from the time he was telling it to me on the phone, there's some writers that are just visual and they, um, the way that they describe things, I can just get it right away. Like Dan Slott's another one where when he, when he writes something, you're like, yeah, I get what you're going for right off the bat. And you know, that this was exactly the case here. And, and, and that's another like big, big, huge, um, reason why I think that, that people have responded so much to, to our run is because um i think i think i think i think readers can always tell when an artist and a writer are working in concert mm -hmm. and are, are are on the same page because we had extensive phone conversations about um every, everything down to the look of of like our specific venom what our specific venom was going to look like you know like it was very important to us that our venom not be too big and like too monstrous because we were really going for a leading man we were really going for we wanted to pull venom out of spider-man's shadows and make him a hero on his own so we wanted to be able to be for people to immediately be able to tell that there's a human being in right. that in that costume and so much as like you know, Eddie Brock has been drawn so many different ways visually, like like the the man, his face, all the way from like you know, kind of a kind of a regular looking guy, like when Bagley did him in 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 in, in um, uh, the Lethal Protector with you know his his awesome '80s hair, but then like when McFarlane drew him, he was more of like a broken down kind of boxer looking guy with a big busted nose and stuff like that. And I, I really leaned into like, I want him to kind of look like, like a leading man. Like I want him to, you know, not be a, a pretty boy by any stretch of the imagination, but like he should look like a bruiser, but like I want him to look like someone that, 
because I knew we both knew eventually like, Hey, we're going to have to have scenes where this guy is going to cry over his son. And like, right. we're going to need him to be a little bit more vulnerable, a little bit, a little bit softer around the edges so that we can pull off these moments as we go, go along. So it also really helped that Ryan and I knew the whole scope of everything so that we could start designing stuff from the beginning. You know, I mean, when you open that first page of Venom number one, there's a reason that the first thing that you see is lightning, right? Um, because as you get into the origin of Null and you get into the origin of that scene, uh, as people know who have read Venom Rex, uh, that lightning is not there by accident. Um, it's to foreshadow who the Beowulf of that story really is. As we, we go on, you know, you mentioned the Lethal Protector. We get some of those vibes in here is sort of like Eddie even struggling with what's going on with the symbiote stuff, which plays a major role as we go forward. But I, I like that. Like he hears the report. He's like, all right, I'm getting out there. And we get our first actual image of Venom about six pages in. And it's just, man, the the rain bouncing off of him, the, yeah. the big swing. I mean, that's just got to be like fun for you to get that in your mailbox donnie for you to draw that ryan that i imagine that was just like yeah we're doing this. oh yeah reading the script you're just like i get to do a, like i have to make this the best venom splash page of all time you know like whether or not you right. achieve it that's like all that you can think about when you're working on it is just like i get to do this and i cannot you know fail yeah and we do it. We we do it even bigger in the first issue of Kang, Kang in Black. As far yeah. as a Venom swinging a swing into action scene, there's uh, there's no better one than like the the issue page two and three of King and Black number one. But something about that 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 first splash page of 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 um in 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 Venom number one, um, it's actually not drawn the way that I wrote it. Um, as far as it being nighttime and raining, that's something that we always wanted to do throughout our entire run. If you read our, our entire Venom run, it is always nighttime and it is always raining because we always thought about the dichotomy of Gotham and Metropolis. Like, like Superman's always in day in daylight. Batman's always at, at night. And so we wanted to do that with Spider-Man and Venom, you know, um, and, and in fact, um, the first time you ever see daylight in our in our entire run is when Eddie goes to Peter's house in absolute carnage and has to ask Peter for help. And the first time that you see Peter through the blinds, daylight show, shows up. The sun rises in the background because now Peter's here. Um, but that specific page, um, I wanted to do something that now looking back on it was kind of was was a fool's errand. I thought it would be fun if in our arc we treated Venom's teeth like Wolverine's claws. Like he would have a reg he would have just the eyes and like no mouth for, for the majority of the issue. And then, and like, as our run went on, you knew it was about to go down when that mouth slid open and those jaws came out. So originally that splash page was, was I, I put it in the script as no mouth. Right. Like, and and I drew it like, that way. Yeah. Wait, is it drawn that way? No, I drew it that way, and then they they made they yeah, yeah, yeah. we talked about it, and yeah. we decided to put the mouth in. Well, no, it was Nick Lowe who very wisely emailed both of us and guy and goes, guys, if you're gonna do a big splash page showing off what your Venom looks like, it should probably look like Venom. And I, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that's a solid point, Nick. It's a solid point. Yeah, looking back over the course of these issues it's so interesting to hear you talk about like these kind of landmark issue landmark moments within issues and obviously issue number one is a big moment for that um also i mean speaking of splashes i can't let that go by without talking about that uh moment when the truck uh and uh venom collide which is you know, I, something I remember very, very viscerally remember opening that page and reading that for the very first time. Um, and funny enough, I remember that in Absolute Carnage, that Spider-Man panel that you were talking about, Donnie, as well. Um, but those, those kind of things make me think, Yeah. from you, your guys' perspective as creators, are there moments intentionally built in? Are there issues um, or moments that the character goes through that are like, okay, this is a kind of, this is a watershed moment. This is a major change 
whether it's like issue one, a major change happens, issue eight, issue 15, whatever it might be, or, or do, you, do you allow that just to be informed by the kind of arc structure of things? Um, or similarly, are, do those things exist at the same time as like emotionally, you look back at something and can say, oh, like obviously we had our structure built out, we had our major moments, but for some reason that stands out to me. That feels like a moment that when I think back on, you know, this, you know, Venom Island or whatever it might be, that that's a moment that I think of first as like, oh yeah, that's kind of the encapsulation of that moment. Is that something that, that, uh, that resonates with you in any way? Yeah, I mean, I I think that I think that when you're writing is something as as like like when you're doing like long form storytelling and in, in the way that in the way that we've done here, you have your north star, you know, uh, for probably every arc, but then you have your brightest star, which is like your like where this is all going, like where like 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 how do you want to you know how does the whole thing end and and like how does this character how 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 is this character different after you've kind of left your foot your footprints on it you know um to me like the the watershed moments the big the big the big moments to me are always the the quiet moments um peter uh peter and eddie kind of reconciling over 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 a diner scene an absolute carnage number one and kind of, you know, Peter talking to Eddie about what it means to raise a single child as Peter was kind of raised without his parents and stuff is was special to me. It was a moment where Peter could kind of finally see a, a piece of Eddie Brock that um, like, I, I feel like that was a moment where he finally found some humanity in this guy that he always thought was a monster. You know um, the moment that Eddie realizes um, who Dylan is to him because he, at, at first it was, it was presented as that this is a, a long lost little brother, you know, and then realizing who he is and then taking on that responsibility, the deciding to take on that responsibility and now having something to fight for, um, little moments like, um, you know, at the end of absolute carnage, one of my favorite moments is um eddie's son looks up at him and says like will you tell me about my mom and and just like little stuff like that are the moments that just like kind of crush me you know um Mm. but yeah certainly there's like you know um iconic moments you know um um eddie's final fight with the dragon at the end of venom rex you know, with the incinerator uh, and Rex and fighting that and, and the symbiote uh, seemingly dying. Um, I think personally, as a writer, um, issue number uh, issue number nine, the opening sequence with Eddie on a bus that is just three pages of Eddie sitting on a bus with some of the saddest dialogue or saddest caption work I've ever written in my life. I It pops up on Twitter every now and then. And the comment is always some some version of I literally can't believe this is in a Venom book, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> because like it, it was it was it was it was I some of the some of the some of the writing in the entire book that I'm that I'm the most proud of, um, and the way that Ryan and I I kind of structured that page will always kind of be a standout for me. Um, Ryan, but, but how about you? Like, what are there are, are there like? Well, I think I think that that's part of why we work well together. I think that you're exceptional and probably the best I've worked with at it, where you leave room when the big moments happen for me to do stuff. And then, you know, my job at that point is to not drop the ball. So I, I feel like I have a tendency to want to draw big, huge, crazy stuff like Venom smashing into a truck. And you tend to want to write that stuff. And so I feel like, yeah, like we we're always in sync on when the big beats are. And I feel like as long as I don't uh, sell it short, then it's going to come through. Fun, funny enough, the um, that truck scene was also something that we uh, it wasn't drawn the way that you said initially. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, initially, yeah. it was supposed to be the Venom symbiote was going to make Eddie invisible and it was going to be like a truck crashing around this body and I tried to draw it several ways and I was just like, it just doesn't work. Like it just doesn't look big enough. It doesn't look like it 
you know, is cool enough. Yeah, the idea was going to be that it, it, it just looked like Eddie standing there like by yeah. himself without his symbiote. And then when the truck crashed into him, the imprint in the truck was going to be in the shape of venom. And then venom would uncloak around Eddie. Right. And like, and cause that's a thing that, that we've seen a lot in the past. Um, 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 very famously in the Eric Larson Venom Island um, issue that we that, that we made our issue around, um, it, it's a it's an ability that 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 Venom has that he can cloak and go invisible. But um, I was told very early on uh, by my partner uh, that he he couldn't draw it, and so I just stopped doing it. Yeah, well, I, I just personally I've always been like that's a little too overpowered for Venom, but, uh, and you know he would use it all the time if if he had that power anyway but then it was just once we once we switched it to the side view with uh you know eddie in the symbiote it was like this is what it should have been you know like we were both like yeah, oh, yeah, yeah this yeah. was him, this was right going into it he like goes into it like a like a line backer he like puts his whole like arm into it and everything it's great yeah oh and i think is i think the shot of how the I, mean, I, don't, I don't think we've ever done this be like since since that issue but uh the, the way the symbiote um, comes on to Eddie in that scene is through his eyeballs. Mm -hmm. It like it like starts dripping out of his eyes and then like makes it into it and like goes into it. It was just so creepy. It was awesome. That's rad. Um, there's three more important things I want to touch on in Venom number one. One being the splash page of uh, Venom turning around like in a horror movie and he's all messed up and gnarly. He's all nulled up. Uh, yeah. The oh, yeah. moments at the end where we first see our we see our drag. Uh, rising into the sky and then the the line god is coming those three things um to me are such like a punch 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 of you don't know what all this is yet but boy oh boy get ready for the ride um the the design in particular was for, for the the symbol the circular symbol as well as the the sort of dragony symbol were those how many iterations did you all go through for that stuff None. Like we, none. We don't. We yeah. didn't have time. So like, I mean, yeah. like, again, like I feel like I, I knew from what Donnie was writing what we wanted. Like I saw it from the beginning. So it was just like I just started drawing at that point. And luckily, I mean, I feel like sometimes I have a tendency to overthink a design, and uh, really, it's like gut instinct anyway. So then this page came out, and this is one of those pages that even you know, the the page with him turning around with the um. Uh, you know, with the ancient venom, as they call him or whatever. That is one of the pages that I honestly, like, I look at myself and I'm like, I'm pretty good at this job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah, a yeah. good ass page. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, it's phenomenal. And the, and the we, we knew that that spiral design was going to be recurrent mm -hmm. uh, through the whole thing. But really, other than that, like, I, I think the script just called for... Um, uh, I don't know. It, it, yeah, it, it kind of, it was, it was, it was pretty detailed about what he looked like. Um, I wanted him to have all the, and if you're, okay, if you're a, a listener, Google this at your own risk, but if you know what tryptophobia is, um, it's, it's when you see uh, tiny little holes in something and it makes your skin crawl. Um, it's, it's a really weird phenomenon and, and it, it, it does it to me. Like, like it's, if you, if you Google tryptophobia, be prepared to get really weirded out. <laughs> um, and so that's why that venom design, when he turns around, it's why he has all those tiny little holes all in his costume. Like it's like sunk in because I wanted people to see it and just like instantly get like a chill, like, 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 like be really creeped out by it and not know why. Um, so that was in there. And then like, yeah, it was like. Um, this idea that 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 this red spiral symbol was somehow um, kind of like flowing over him and infecting him in a way that it looked like um, and, and Ryan pulled it off perfectly, but it looked like it was controlling its limbs instead of like Eddie was like it was like a puppet, you know. Um, so, yeah, he nailed it. There's also on this because we were both trying to make it as creepy as possible. The thing that I get chills down my spine from is. Uh, like rat and mice tails like I can't I can't handle them and so that's basically he's got rat and mice tails like weaving throughout his whole body if you notice oh, that that's so creepy oh yeah. god <laughs>
Ugh. Look at oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now you hate this book. <laughs> yeah, it's disgusting. You're a monster. But you're a monster that we love. And you make great dang comic books, including all the Venom stuff, Thor, and King and Black number one. Make sure you all get out there, pick up King and Black number one. Read it before next week's episode when we do a creator commentary with Ryan and Donnie about King and Black number one. That is... Donnie Cates and Ryan Stegman, two of the best in the biz right now. I love hearing their perspective on that book. It's one that I think is really, really rich and worthy of a ton of conversation. Um, so to get their angle on it uh, like that is really, really cool. And so next week we will be talking to them about King and Black number one. And also on uh, This Week in Marvel, my other show I co-host, uh, we have Donnie and Ryan and editor Devin Lewis to talk about just their partnership working together, the entirety of uh, the Venom storyline, Absolute Carnage, all of it, Kit and Caboodle. I think the three episodes that we've got here between the two Marvel's pull list and the one This Week in Marvel actually tell a really cool picture and get everybody set up for uh, all the King and Black stuff. So check that out. Um, one thing I did want to add is that we now have an email address. So it's pulllist at marvel.com. You can send us any emails, any thoughts about books, things you want us to talk about, any suggestions for people you want to have us talk to on Reading Club, comics, and all that good stuff. Let us know your pullies. Uh, you can always use hashtag Marvel's pull list, which is so long. I know. Uh, you can also look. I'll look at the hashtag pull list uh, tag on Twitter just in case y'all throw anything up there. I've seen some before. Um, but yeah, reach out to us. Let us know what you're thinking, what you want, uh, and all that and more. Because that's a wrap for us right now. This episode of Marvel's Pull List was produced by Ryan Panagos, Tucker Marcus, Jorge Estrada, MR Daniel, and Megan Bagala. Jill DeBoff is our director of audio, and Brad Barton is Marvel's pull list audio development manager. Also, he's all about that null, baby. He is. Null gang. Me, Brad and I got null tattoos. Very sweet. <laughs> uh, we'll talk more about those next week. I'm Ryan. And I'm Tucker. And this is Marvel. Your universe. <laughs>